Today's reading is taken from Revelation, chapter 1, verses 1 to 18, and I'm reading from the NIV. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of the prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is, and who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us, and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power for ever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. All the peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Amen. Now last week I spoke about looking forwards on the front line. I said that I believe that God is calling us to open our eyes to see a new thing which he is doing among us now, a new pathway of faith and of discipleship which he is calling us to follow. The gospel has not changed, the scriptures have not changed, Jesus has not changed. But our pathway of faith is moving in new directions and we need to see this and we need to grasp it to the full. If you missed the sermon last Sunday, then that service is still on YouTube and easy to access and I encourage you to listen to it. But today I would like to look at the present time with all its challenges and opportunities from the bigger perspective of what God has done in the past and what he will do in the future. I'm especially drawn to these words in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. And also the words in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 4. Grace and peace to you from him who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. The common phrase in both of those verses is that the Lord God is the one who is, who was, and who is to come. There's something here about God's work in the world in the past, and in the present, and in the future. And the use of the first and the last letters of the Greek al alphabet, I am the Alpha and the Omega, suggests that here is the A to Z of a God who is at work in the whole of time. Now we live somewhere in the middle of this, or maybe towards the end of it, none of us knows for sure. But from this moment where we live, 
We can look back to what God has already done. We can look forward to what he has still to do. And those perspectives will help us to trust in the God who is very much at work in the world today. The hallmark of creation was that it was a good work of God. Repeatedly in Genesis 1, we read that God saw that it was good. After each day of creation, the summary phrase, God saw that it was good. And after the final work of creation, on the sixth day, we read that God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. The beginning of all things was good. And the promise of scripture is that the end of all things will be good too. Revelation 21 and 22, those two chapters make it very clear. And interestingly, in those chapters is the only other time where we have this phrase, Alpha and Omega, the God who is there at the beginning and the end, who made all things good in creation, who will uh, inaugurate a new heaven and a new earth with all the wonderful characteristics that are described, the river of life throwing through, flowing through the city, Picture language indeed, but without doubt, referring to a good ending. So does this mean that everything in between a good beginning and a good ending will also be good? It doesn't seem to be that way, does it? Creation now is straining almost to breaking point. Human life is fragile and full of uncertainties. And to quote some words from Eugene Peterson, uh, writing about this passage in Revelation chapter 1, he says this, between the believed but unremembered beginning and the hoped for but unimaginable ending, there are disappointments, contradictions, not to be explained absurdities, bewildering, bewildering paradoxes, each of them a reversal of expectations. So stay with me as I take a closer look at the beginning and the ending, the God who is the Alpha and the Omega, and then see how that same God is at work in the world today. This is a massive theme, so I can only offer a few brief comments around it. Let's start with the God in the past, the God who was. I've already spoken about the goodness of creation. No matter how you interpret Genesis 1 in relation to the beginning of life, the message is clear that the hand of God was evident in the creation of the world, and it was good in every way. But within these words in Revelation chapter 1, we also have a reference to the work of Jesus Christ in bringing salvation to all mankind. And this too was amazingly good. Revelation 1 in verse 5. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. The God who created a wonderful world then sent his own son to be the saviour of that world. We have messed up in so many ways. We have spoiled the creation that God made in the first place. And we've also made so many mistakes throughout our lives. But God loves us deeply, and Jesus has died for us, and in the giving of his own blood, he has brought about our salvation and enabled us to be drawn into his family. This, again, is amazingly good news, and part of what God has done in the past. So God is good in his work of creation and of redemption, 
And there are many other times in history where we have seen and known the goodness of God. And we can also give our own testimony as to how we've known that in our own lives. But then let's move on to the God in the future, the God who is to come. Because these words say, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the God who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. And it's interesting that these words use the phrase that God is to come, rather than that God will be. It may seem logical to say of the Lord God that he is, that he was, and he will be. That would be the natural use of our language, but the wording is different. It underlines that there is something decisive which will happen in the end. It's not just that God will be there in the future, as well as having been there in the past, but that something will happen. He will come in power and glory so that every eye will see him. He is the God who is, who was, and who is to come. And Jesus coming with the clouds will be recognized by all. Again, that's in this same passage, verse 7. Look, he is coming with his, the clouds, and every eye will see him. This is taking up an image from the Old Testament. But in applying it here, it underlines the decisiveness of that final moment. The world will not just drift towards some uncertain ending. It will be brought to a firm and decisive finish with the wonderful return of Jesus Christ. Yes, the book of Revelation speaks of judgment and of accountability before God, but it also speaks of immense hope. I touched earlier on that description of a new heaven and a new earth. No more death or mourning or crying or pain. A different world order when Jesus returns. This is the amazing work of God in the future on the final day. So then we come to the God in the present, the God who is. There's so much more I could say about the past and about the future, the God who is the Alpha and the Omega, who spans the whole of creation and the whole of time. But we need to focus especially on the presence and the power of God here and now. This God who created the world, who redeemed the world through Jesus, who one day will return in power and glory, this God is with us here and now. And coming back to Revelation 1, and this time in verse 4, those wonderful words, grace and peace to you from him who is, who was, and who is to come. Grace and peace to you. Grace is undeserved favor, the blessings of God, reaching out to all who will come to him with open hearts. Peace is an inner calm, whatever our outer turmoil, the presence of God holding us firm and strong in him. And these gifts come from the heavenly throne room. The language here is modeled after the temple in Jerusalem in the Old Testament. But now Jesus is the great high priest who has forgiven us by his own blood and now draws us into his kingdom. And he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. God is describing himself here as the Almighty One. Not so much a focus on his power as on his sovereignty. That he does still reign over all the earth and is deeply involved in the present time as much as in the past or in the future. These words were actually first written in a fairly dramatic 
traumatic time at the end of the first century, around 2,000 years ago. But they speak into every generation. And I would suggest that the book of Revelation is especially important for us today. The God who was present at the beginning of creation and who will be present at the end of time is here with us now. He comes to bring grace and peace into our lives amidst the chaos and the turmoil. He reaches out from his heavenly throne as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The God whose work was good at the beginning of creation and whose work will be good at the end of the time is a God who is able to work for good in all the things that confront us in the present time as we trust in him. Now that's a challenging thought, but it is clear from the Bible. It comes from Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, which says that we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Now that's hard to grasp when over 800,000 people worldwide have died of coronavirus in the last few months. It's hard to grasp for the residents of Beirut still barely beginning to recover from the devastating explosion of their city. It's hard to grasp for those in certain countries in Africa, the Middle East and South America, where medical resources are stretched beyond limits. It's hard to grasp when injustice and inequality screams at us from every corner. It's hard to grasp when you will know of those who are grieving the loss of loved ones today. It's hard to grasp when those who you know have lost their jobs or are living with that very real possibility. The character and the actions of God never change. But he doesn't magically turn everything into good. But rather he calls us to believe in his goodness and in the amazing things that he's done in the past and will do in the future. And then invite him into this present time with all its challenge and confusion and allow him to weave something good out of the tangled mess of the world today. God is no less powerful on this day than he was on the first days of life when he created everything and it was very good. And he's no less powerful on this day than on that final day when Jesus will return and every eye will see him. Now God's work here and now may not be clear for all to see, but he is working in the world today and he does want us to be part of that kingdom work now. So lift up your eyes. Let your faith come alive today. God is good. He is love. He reigns forever. He longs to be your Lord and Master today. He is the hope of every heart. We are lost without your glory. We are lost without you, God. Christ alone, our hope and glory. Christ alone, in you we stand.